You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes Dead Air Knife here with always typical Lydia. Today's episode of Grave Encounters. I mean, today's episode of the Dead Air Podcast. We're doing the 2011 found footage ghost hunter Canadian Canadian horror movie Grave Encounters. And it's about time that we got back to doing something real serious and ghosts and found footage. We used to do a lot of, well, we used to, like so long ago, we did a bunch of found uh, found footage horror films early on in our run, and we took a little break from it, and now we're back. Serious, though, it's hard sometimes because people watch these films and they right away steal themselves and are ready to hate it. They've got the eye roll on standby, and they're just waiting for the very first thing where they're like, oh, this is just like every other one. This is fucking bullshit. Too many people just hate found footage movies. Uh, I, ghost hunting. People will take a found footage ghost hunting movie. To some people, that is like, man, I love this. A found footage ghost hunter movie? Awesome. I'll watch the fuck out of this. But then there's other people where you just say found footage ghost hunting movie and they would be like, oh my God, that is like the two worst things possible. That's like, Peanut butter and chocolate. <laughs> but then people are saying peanut butter and chocolate, that's my medicine. Yeah, cucumbers and cottage cheese. I've always really liked found footage film. We've talked about this on the show before. And I think that ever since I first saw the McPherson tape or the Blair Witch Project, I really feel as though it's a type of horror that can scare me the most. It definitely has when I was younger. And this is combining things that I really like. I love ghost stories and I like ghost stories because as we were talking before we went, these types of horror movies genuinely scare me and found footage can genuinely scare me. And you know, like Blair Witch Project is back in the theaters now as a sequel. And Blair Witch Project is one of the movies that scared me the absolute most and still scares me. And, but I mean that obviously I'm taking a lot of baggage with that because the woods freak me out and, old creepy tales can freak me out and and it's a shaky cam found footage and at the time when i was first saw the blood rush rocket in 1999 like ages ago i was so young still that this fucking movie blew my mind and so anytime that found footage films were coming out i was like yeah let's do this found footage and people eye roll because they think it's gimmicky or whatever but it's just practical it's just practical you make a movie for two cents and it makes millions of dollars so what's the fucking problem? Obviously, they're going to make a lot of them. And not only that, but lots of horror movie gets made that's not found footage, too. There's a lot of skill that goes into a found footage film, too. You know what? Grab your camera if you think you're better than them. Go out there and fucking try and do it. Try and get make a watchable, feature-length found footage horror movie. Have mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a ring when you fail. <laughs> Fuck. No, um... Fun fact, I've seen Blair Witch in theater just the other day. You did, yeah. Yeah, I won tickets from Rumor because no one ever enters contests here in Ottawa, and I figured they <laughs> must have X amount in Ottawa theaters. I'll probably win, and I did. 
Uh, Wes hasn't seen it yet, so I'm not going to get into Blair Witch territory. But I feel like does... that's today. I feel like that's maybe today. Yeah, good. It's a good day yeah. for it. It's like drizzly, rainy, and kind of kind of shitty out. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, good day to go sit in a theater, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I found it like I was freezing. I always freeze to death in theaters. I feel like what I need to do for a theater is I bring even in the summertime, I bring a sweater because I feel. The air conditioning on those places is way too high mm-hmm. and you're sitting still for 90 minutes to two hours. Fuck, I'm going to get cold. Yeah. I always like lose feeling in all my hands. So even going into that, it was uncommonly cold and I had like purple fingers and white spots and everything it was horrible that way. But um, yeah, it was a fun experience. But it ties in really well to watching this particular movie. I think that if anyone is going to get into some found footage, and people tend to do that, you know, want getting excited to watch a found footage movie like Blair Witch, or if you're excited to watch a zombie movie, start watching like older zombie movies. Mm-hmm. If you're excited to watch uh, a new French film, you're going to go back and watch some of the older ones. Uh, a lot of people are probably watching the original Blair Witch and maybe digging around for other found footage things that have become popular. Even like Wreck, that's a, another good one. I oh think. my God, I love the Wreck series a yeah. lot. Heading into watching Blair Witch, I'd wanted to rewatch Wreck. But um, this was coming up on our roster, which mm-hmm. is a really unsung, small Canadian. Oh, oh my God, yeah. I, critically panned. The second one did even worse critically. They did good economically, but... No, they're com- almost completely forgotten now. For whatever reason, I'm not really sure because not only is this a, my peanut butter and chocolate, if you will, it's my peanut butter and chocolate with um, like pecans on top because I like pecans a lot. You do because it's in yeah. an asylum. It's in a fucking insane asylum. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is elements of occultism as well. There is, yeah. Yeah, yeah so you can... Uh, Blink and you'll miss it, but it's there. Yeah, serve me a nice cup of coffee with this peanut butter cup. I don't really like the peanut butter cup idea, but whatever. With something with pecans, a handful of pecans and handful coffee. A handful of pecans and uh, perhaps uh, some mini cukes and uh, some little bell peppers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to... Th- every day, man. I'm trying to think of the lunch that she eats every day, guys. <laughs> Can you watch it? A little yeah. tin of tuna? A little tin of tuna, yeah. Yeah. Crackers. Is it eight crackers? Six, but I've dropped down to five recently. So I can yeah. have like a more um, attractive presentation of the tuna. It works better for me on five crackers. Mm-hmm. If you guys are into food porn or if you guys are into those strangely satisfying pictures where everything is color coordinated, she adheres to Roy when she puts her bell peppers and shit around so that's actually dumped those bags of vegetables out and they fell in rainbow order that's why i took the photo i didn't take the photo because i'm like i'll take a photo of my food because that's what i like to do i don't necessarily like doing that but it was because they fell out in rainbow order and i was like look at that look at me being so ocd that i do it subconsciously wow except there was one crooked cracker it's true. Now, this film is indeed about a ghost chaser television show. Now, these shows cropped up all of the time back in the late 90s and early 2000s. There was a ton of them. And certain stations would just seem to endlessly play them. My mom and sister were big fans of these shows, but I never really got into them. I was really more in the camp of factor fiction or unsolved mysteries. And even though I did watch some of these found footage 
television shows, I really was more interested into them about uh, because of the history of the buildings that they were exploring. I found all of that very interesting if they were going to a hospital on some abandoned island that was used for the military or something of that effect or that uh, insane asylum off of uh, New York or in that, the Staten Island or whatever. No, not Staten Island, but there, there, there's, there was like a place like that. I don't know. The only one that I ever care about is Trans-Allegheny because that is like the craziest, crazy fucking insane asylum as far as abandoned, haunted insane asylums. And I want to go there so fucking bad <laughs> that my 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 body aches oh to my go God. see there. I know. Did you, I, were you a big fan of these ghost chaser shows? Not really. My mom was and uh, she was as cranky as me. So we'd like, she'd be watching it and she'd be like, okay, just get to the ghost. Because she was like, to her, it was like, just pulling the taffy to use a West term uh-huh. uh, on the beginning part that you like the the library scene. You're waiting for them to get into the microfiche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. like I would enjoy that part too. So when it got to them, um, like stumbling around in the fucking dark, saying, "Did you hear that?" over and over, I was bored by that. Where my mom enjoyed that portion of the show. Uh, so we had the that sort of relationship watching Law and Order. I like the law part of Law and Order. She liked the order part of Law and Order. Whatever. Oh, okay. Two different people. Um, so she she watched all of them, a lot of them. Uh, she liked all of that sort of stuff. And I would just, by osmosis, happen to see some of them. And I did enjoy uh, Paranormal State. And luckily, later on, I got to chat with Heather Taddy of Paranormal State, who did all of the research bits that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. She got to, even behind the scenes, uh, be the library girl and go to, like like, land registry offices and go to, like, search out the records and do the microfiche thing mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and learn about all of these places that they were going. So that's like super fascinating to me. I would love that. I would fucking love that. Now you can check out the Kettle Whistle Radio Talking Ghosts with Lydia Peaver. It's a show with me, but it's a lot more of me and Heather talking ghosts, right? Cool. It's really cool that way. And I had just come off of recording the things aren't what they seem video with patron saint of plagues and we recorded mm-hmm. that in the haunted hostel jail here in ottawa mm-hmm. which is so cool especially at three in the fucking morning recording the shit in a quasi abandoned the abandoned floors of the abandoned jail that is now a hostel for the the downstairs part but like there were some freaky little incidents there of getting turned around uh, thinking somebody was with you, hearing weird things. Someone had some moments of lost time. Uh, by the time it hit around three in the morning, it wasn't just because we were all tired. Like we'd prepared for this shoot and everything. We weren't overworked or anything like that. We were what hydrated and fed, but we still got very, felt very out of sorts in that building at night. It was very, very cool. Um, if I had a million dollars, I'd ship Heather Taddy down here to come and help me do some research and microfiche in the library and go and check that fucking building out because it's creepy as fuck. Probably not as creepy as Trans-Allegheny. But the one ghost hunting show I will recommend, and I don't, you've, I, you said you hadn't seen it, Ghost Bait. Yeah, I've never seen Ghost Bait. Ghost Bait is fucking hilarious because they take this guy and they, the idea is that you won't, like, we see it in this film, in Grave Encounters, 
Lance is continuously calling out the ghosts and like kind of threatening them or like saying like, oh, I bet you can't do this, you know. Well, if you're here, make a noise and like trying to test them that way. Very dance monkey dance. It's not cool. It's not fucking cool. If I was a ghost, I'd be like, fuck you with my see-through middle fingers. (laughs) But um, ghost bait, the idea is, and it works here, and this is part of why I think that they're so attracted to the Sasha character, is that... They're not attracted to people who are going to call them out. They're attracted to people that are fucking scared. So when you're scared, you're ghost bait, hence the name of the show. So they took this guy that was like, I can't watch scary movies. I don't like being alone in the dark. I have a fucking nightlight. And I'm like the scariest scaredy cat in the whole world. He is the scariest scaredy cat. And they fucking strap him up with all the gear and they put like uh, respiration fucking gauges and heartbeat monitors and everything. And they fucking send him into like the abandoned, the fucking like abandoned death row. If he were here in the high Ottawa hospital here Mm -hmm. in the jail, they would like three in the morning death row. That's where you're going to be alone. And fucking strap him up with all the shit and cameras and stuff and like get him to say things like, is there anyone there? (laughs) And he would be so fucking scared and he would like be losing his shit, sweating balls, fucking running away, hearing noises. And you know what? If there was a mouse in there that made a little scurry, he'd fucking lose it. And it was awesome. (laughs) <laughs> Same reason I like watching PewDiePie when he's afraid of playing a survival horror and he jumps like a little girl. Yeah. That that dude, I get an entire industry built on him just squealing I love while it. he plays Spooky's House of Jump Scares. Yeah. Shit like that. So it's like, and Ghost Bait is just that exactly. If you could take Pewds and make him be Ghost Bait, I would love that show. I would never stop watching that show, that and Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. I don't think I'd ever watch television otherwise. Extreme Elimination. I forgot all about that fucking show. How could you forget about that show? I don't know. But coming up next, it's Foos, Baba Ganoush. Indeed. I'm not wearing pants. (laughs) Wow. Talk about things that got played on television over and over and over again. It's just, I'm pretty sure there was a period where Spike TV only played that game show. And then every other station, not every other station, but God, what station played the ghost was it the history channel did they play the ghost programs a lot a lot of them yeah yeah it was crazy the tlc the tlc but it just seemed like they were on all the time which is all well and good and so this is one of the this is a cool thing about horror we take something that everybody kind of rolls their eyes at and everyone knows and you know south park does a riff about it about what is that what is that it's just the people in the ghost game. Like one of them pisses their pants. He's like, "What is that? There's ectoplasm coming out of my, coming down my leg," and 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 really uh, hits the nail on the head about what those ghost shows are like. Because I always really got turned off from them because of the fact that at the end of them, you know, there's nothing. Like there's you never know anything. It's just people squealing at rats and pipes and houses settling in the cold night. In the same way that, you know, you don't watch Bigfoot documentaries expecting them to be, and here's Bigfoot. No, it's like what a Bigfoot documentary is, is 60 minutes of them being, I don't know, looking at night vision cameras, a commercial break is about to happen just when you think they found something, but oh shit, the the cameras were triggered and the night vision went on because a deer passed in the middle of the night because, oh, guess what? They're in the woods. And then as they're rolling credits... 
Well, well, we haven't found Bigfoot, but maybe he's out there. Every single one. Every yeah. single one. And so I'm always amazed, not that these documentaries get made, but how fucking many of them get made. Because how are you pitching to anybody, I want to make a fucking documentary where we're squatching, where we're just out in the woods looking for Bigfoot. And, and then the inevitable question is, are you going to find Bigfoot? Well, no, we're not going to find Bigfoot. But we're going to do a documentary where we don't find Bigfoot. Now, what's we're, more interesting to me is a horror movie where you find Bigfoot, right? Because that's something I can wrap my head around. Exactly. And so, and, and just like how the other week we were talking about escape rooms. And they where's the horror where it's an escape room that everyone goes into and then, oh shit, it's actually fucking real. And there's a death toll. And they have to escape with their fucking lives. That's the next horror movie. I guarantee you. Like, if someone's not making it already, someone should be making that as of right this fucking second. Because that's hip. That's now. That's the bleeding edge. And that's the next level. Well, it's better than STD horror movies, you think? Because people are trying really, really hard to make STDs into horror movies. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's uh, you can do STD horror movies, but just be a little bit more subtle with them. Antiviral. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good. That, that's a really good. Uh, you know the interesting thing about anti birth actually is getting is it, sort of on my angle. It follows was apparently an STD horror movie. So, uh, yeah, and yeah. I, I did not catch that when I watched the movie. I was I just thought it was a weird creature movie, but whatever. Uh, the one thing though, you want to like make these things scary to the people that are going to roll their eyes, the people that are like, I've seen this before, or that aren't into any of these things that are making up our peanut butter, chocolate, pecan, coffee cup things. This insane asylum actually exists in Coquitlam. Mm-hmm. That is another angle I really enjoyed about this, is that there really is an abandoned fucking haunted insane asylum that all of this takes place in. Mm-hmm. Wonderful angle. Yeah, it's really cool. And sure makes it easy to shoot. Yep. You just go there. You just go there and you shoot. Yeah. This movie writes itself. Yeah. Before we get into the movie, we do have a question. All right. So we do have a question coming into us. Hot came to me via Facebook. And the question is as followed. Do you identify with any character in any horror movie? Could be a main character or not. And why? Hmm. It's a toughie. It's a huge question, really. It's a massive question. Because not only that, I'm thinking of characters that... I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of, of a movie that I've forgotten. Where I was watching the movie and really saw myself or could really relate to a character. Yeah, because we watch way too many horror movies. I'm going to boil it into this particular film. Because this yeah. film does have a lot of things in it that I love in mm-hmm. horror film. So, And broadly speaking, I'll think about it. What horror movie person do I relate to the absolute most out of all the horror movies in the planet? It's a tricky question because I'm going with there's no all-encompassing horror character that I can relate to. There are characters that display aspects that I can relate to, um, depending on if I'm feeling a particular way. And I can see a character that really exhibits that if I feel lonely or or dejected, I really can gravitate towards characters like Phantom of the Opera. I think the reason why I like that character so much and why I like that story so much is like, man, I've been there. Obviously not in that 
way because he's definitely like way creepier and stockier than I've ever been. But I've certainly been there where you have affections for someone and they don't see it. Fuck it. But like, it doesn't have to be that big. It could be like, I've never related to anyone more that when I saw Jackie eat that pizza in Slumber Party Massacre because I was starving and I'm like, that's my girl. That's my fucking homegirl right there. She is hungry. I'm hungry. I would eat that pizza. Off of a dead body. Off of a dead body. <laughs> so it could be like things like that. In this film in particular, it's hard to say. I definitely see Lance in myself because he's a big ham and he just wants to be in front of the camera and that's me all over. Then again, in stressful situations, I get angry. Uh, so I'm a lot like, uh, who's a TC? TC, like, me and TC have a lot in common too. Like, like fuck this motherfucker, I'm out of here. I don't care what you're... I probably wouldn't have used that gurney as a battering ram for the door oh i definitely would have started being pissed like i would have started breaking things a long time ago oh yeah but like and that's that's the thing about aspects of character is like i relate to sasha i look like fucking sasha me and sasha have the same hoodie i don't what did you call it mean muggin mean muggin yeah when she's mean muggin the camera when she's got like i'm so hardcore emo goth chick it hurts right now Uh, shit bats oh here's one coming now (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) so like aside from that stupid aspect of a retarded character uh i don't relate to that but all in all generally to like about the middle point of the movie Mm Uh, she and I are a hell of a lot alike. Mm. Um, but then I relate to Matt because I want that's a dream job for me setting up tech and running recording and cameras for a, a ghost hunting show. If they would pay me a decent amount of money, I would love to, I would fucking love to do that. Mm-hmm. So there's aspects of, of Matt just in his profession that I relate mm. to. Sasha, by and large. Um, I don't think I'd have turned into such a whiny baby. That's where mm-hmm. I'd turn into TC for a little while. But uh, yeah, definitely yeah. Sasha. But like all in all, like for all horror movies, that's such a tough question. I, I think one of the hardest things is if you're looking at some of our favorite killers, there's not a lot of dimension to a lot of them. So Well, Michael Myers and I get along really well. Yeah, but That's why I, I can relate to him. You can re- but you can relate to aspects of that character, but you're not all encompassing that character. First mm-hmm. of all, you give it you can give a shit about family members, I can guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't chase your family, I don't think. I wouldn't kill my sister. You wouldn't kill your sister. Uh you wouldn't do that. Um Although we did have a fight once where it would have appeared that we were trying to. <laughs> Um, but I think that like, you know, there's definitely been moments where, you know, I get frustrated at something and, uh, you know, I've, I've like broken something, like I've ripped a door off of the hinges and shit like that. And I'm just like very Voorhees of me where I'm just like, fucking, like, fucking, just like, you're so fucking mad. And you would be terrifying, terrifying. All we need to do is put a bag over your head so you can see what you're doing, sort of. And oh my shit, yeah, because you're as big as him, and like that would be terrifying. Yeah, that'd be fucking terrifying. Unless there's like a character they could really, really specifically relate to. That's how come like disaster movies and zombie movies are so big because they usually have such a broad cast of characters, and everyone relates to what what horror can really do to us for characters that are not killers is show us who who in the in the most stressed out position can we relate to how do we deal with stress how do we deal with a life and death situation mm-hmm. are we the person that galvanizes the group and we can get through this together with teamwork are we the person that 
turns to God? Are we the person that huddles in a corner in a fetal position crying? Are we a person that tries to dominate through intimidation and fear? Are we the type of person who turns on people every man for himself. Are we that person, right? And, and so those are the kinds of questions that I think people like to have, the little thought exercises that people like to have, right? So I think when these types of movies get made and people say, oh, yo, that's totally you, that's totally you, yeah, that's totally you. Like, would you, like, maybe, I don't know if I'm the guy that gets bit and then hides the wound and then we're all barricaded in. Oh shit, I'm the zombie now. I I, I just I was like, I would never do that. I'd be, uh, would I? But how do you know? Yeah, exactly. you would be in that situation. You, you, you wouldn't know. I was like, maybe I would. Maybe maybe I think I'm special and for some reason I won't get infected. That or, no, you want to think that you know yourself to a point. I, I know that I wouldn't hide the wound because I've seen so many zombie movies and I know that mm -hmm. that ends terribly. And I would I be the person that says, shoot me now before I turn? I don't know. That's a huge question, really. But like, I think if I wanted to boil it down to a moment where I felt the most with a character, Marie from High Tension or Switchblade Romance, whatever you want to call it, um, when Marie wipes the drip from the tap so that the, the killer, the man, doesn't know that there's somebody in there, that she's just used the water. When I saw that, I thought, that's brilliant. And that's the sort of like skeevy thing sort of like like criminal mind thinking that i would have now of course it's explained away anything cool marie does is explained away because of her split personality spoiler alert mm -hmm. but like if there's a split personality because there's debates on that too but like it's explained away because she of course the killer checks the tap because she's the one that wiped the drip away so they're all on the same playing field but I do really relate to her for a lot of it. And a lot of her escape tactics and a lot of her sort of quick thinking through that movie. I'd, I'd like to think that I would think like that if I were being stalked and chased by a killer. Right. And exactly, react quite yeah. the same. So she, sure, she hides right away. But, I mean, who fucking wouldn't? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like Marie a lot. Yeah, like I tend to um, really sympathize with characters that are feeling like profound loneliness. And I don't know why, because I'm not a lonely guy. I have lots of friends and I have lots of family. But I think because I always have this need to be around people, that when I'm not around people, I can get a little morose and a little emo and shit. And so sometimes, like, you know, yesterday I was watching Nosferatu, the vampire, and this guy is sitting here just being goth as fuck talking about how his immortality is such a curse. And even though I'm not immortal, I can kind of relate to what he's saying and i've never felt more sympathy or pathos for any type of vampire character let alone an incarnation of dracula because you know you see 800 of them yeah so yeah it's characters like that that i can tend to relate to but i don't know if there's a singular character that reminds me the most of myself it would probably be not a killer or a grandiose spiritual figure or not not like the the source of the horror it would probably be one of the people not the slick the slick slick see you know slick is probably everyone that i would want to be like slick sitting there i like i would want to be driving in my big juicy juicy van and just slicking back my hair and just asking girls if i can drive them to school that is so creepy that that's what so he does so in the creepy. fucking movie exactly what he fucking does in the movie <laughs> and i i don't i don't like see that in you but i'm gonna be on the lookout now when i watch horror movies for you 
Well, I'm always on the lookout for you. Oh, yeah. You found her, Sasha. Sasha, you know, it's funny. I could definitely see a lot of Sasha in you, except if you could take TC's rage and put it into Sasha. Because more frustrated with other people. Like, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. Oh, yeah. Like that point. It's the point where Sasha, I, I like where she dropped her persona. And I, I feel a lot more affinity with Sasha. But when she gets her hair touched and then has wants to go back, when she wants to go back to the foyer and she's done with this fucking ghost hunting shit and she just wants out, um, I don't know why she just doesn't stomp off by herself. I'd be like, fuck yeah, it's dark. It's dark everywhere. I don't give a shit. I don't need somebody with me. I just want to get away from here. I would just walk away. I wouldn't have waited for somebody to escort me. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of where our personalities diverge. And I would mm -hmm. turn into TC and start kicking doors open mm -hmm. with my energy legs. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Graven Cameras, 2011 Canadian feature. Found mm -hmm. footage. Found footage. It stays true to form too they don't really they don't cut away to theatrical no. techniques at all even even the opening the framework we'll call it even though there's no end cap to it but even though uh the, the very beginning before we're actually watching the raw footage edited for time of course it still even kind of seems like something that was shot on a handy cam and not processed and not not glossified it's not very cinematic it still kind of looks like you might be watching something off of fucking youtube or some shit like that and then we get into the raw footage and it's very it's got like the fucking like the time markers it, it's got everything like that we don't spend a lot of time with build-up really maybe the first 20 or so minutes of this film is them just sort of setting up and we kind of are introduced to our characters uh, we're introduced to Lance first, and Lance is, is a dude that is very much that host, right? Someone who wants to be in front of the camera, somebody who has found an angle, a ham, an entertaining dude who has this idea or has this bit of backstory where his family moved into a house that was haunted and all of these experiences made him want to go out there and get proof. How much of that is actually true is not entirely certain. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it is just fluff for the show. Well, yeah, because that's the, from the intro of the show, because we are treated to that mm -hmm. as sort of our introduction. A lot like in Wrong Turn 2, where we're treated to the intro to the fucking show that they're making out in the woods. That helps introduce us to everybody, right? And it gets it gives the flavor of like the person they're trying to portray smacked right up against the person who they really are quote mm -hmm. unquote because not long after that we get to hear that wonderful quote from lance where someone's like hey do you think we're gonna see a ghost and he's like yeah yeah hundreds of them because mm -hmm. he's like being super sarcastic does not fucking believe in ghosts and it's all just about that mm -hmm. well or check exactly it's just like this is the show we're shooting things this by the way is the fifth or the sixth episode that they're doing. They've filmed five episodes already. It was probably going to a house, hear some noises, nothing. And then they leave. And like every other ghost hunting show ever. Exactly. And so episode six rolls around and they go to the Collingwood psych uh, Psychiatric Hospital. And this hospital has a really great backstory because it's got everything from really deplorable conditions. I mean, we're talking about a place that was made in the late 1800s and it's got like a mad doctor inside that was really 
into lobotomies and really into some bizarre experimentations. There's murder uh, because escape patients eventually killed this doctor. So there's, it's ripe with all of the most, like any one of those things I feel like could be grounds for, oh, this place sounds like it could be haunted, but they're kind of piling on a lot of things, throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall just to make sure that this, to give the impression that this just might be the most haunted asylum ever. Which I think they're really um, pulling a lot from Trans-Allegheny because they're both built on the Kirkbride plan, which is like that very long uh, east and west wing looking very old 1800s architecture that they're all like really dilapidated. They all seem to rot in the same way. Any of those photos you see in black and white Tumblr streams of abandoned asylums they're usually a kirkbride model building that were sometimes converted into squalls and uh, uh, jails and stuff like that because of the nature of their easy to take care of the patients sort of way easy to keep an eye on all the patients sort of design they're not as convoluted as more modern psychiatric hospitals um but they are like very small long corridors too many doors everything's too small and narrow mm -hmm. um so it does build that claustrophobia but like the provenance of it being a haunted building is sort of built into the way that the place is and a lot of these stories seem to be pulled from the files of trans allegheny mm -hmm. well like you said if you have a great shooting location it doesn't hurt to also extrapolate some true-to-life stories that would have happened at this asylum not murder and mayhem and shit but just you have a great setting and so there's no reason to try to manufacture too much artifice around it when the building itself and the actual history of the building works yeah right because it is very creepy all those tiny rooms so many windows all the bars it's very threatening very confining and also very utilitarian i mean it looks like a place that even by cleaning it, all you're really probably doing is just taking a hose and just fucking hosing the ceilings and the walls and and the floor and then just fucking squeegee it all out. And that's like a meat locker in some places, it really looks like. It does. It does. Yeah. And if they even hosed it down to ever clean it ever, because it's like yeah. so laden in dust and all the paint is peeling, it's very, very sad to look at. Mm -hmm. That's why I love abandoned hospital photography, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when they find it in stasis and no one's really fucking, you know, shot up, had sex, got drunk, and spray painted shit on the walls. What do we got with this fucking crack team of specialists, Sasha? She's the occult expert. Doesn't really do anything that I would really consider her an occult expert. She talks. What do you mean, man? She's wearing a black hoodie with studs on it, and she has dark makeup on, and she looks like so hot. She's absolutely beautiful. That's what all you need in an occult specialist but my question to you is what is she doing like she's, she's standing there looking fucking good man all right she's talking to the tape recorder well, what am i questions. fucking doing right now you're sitting there looking absolutely qualified to be talking about horror movies i am an occult expert can't you tell let's see you got some halloweeny type nail polish on you got a black sweater cleavage uh, cleavage there's some cleavage yeah gang don't like a little it bitchy? A little bitchy. A little bitchy. That's all I yeah. need. What do you mean, what does she do? She does everything, man. She does it all. I agree, though. Sasha does sweet fuck all, and she's just there to be that hot goth chick, sort of. But a lot of times in these programs, unfortunately, 
they do tend to cast the token female like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just true to form as far as fucking mm-hmm. ghost hunting show goes. Yeah, because I, when you watch this movie uh, like, and, and you see a cult expert, I was thinking, oh, is she a medium of some kind? No, the medium is Houston. Houston very much is an actor. He's very much an actor. He's not a medium at all. This is not someone that they plucked from a basement uh, dusting off his uh, bifocals with a cork board full of all these paranormal fucking moments. He does not life. own a bookshelf full no. of esoterica. No, no fuck no. He, he is an actor playing a role. And we know this because he breaks several times during shooting, laughing and is that too over the top? He's definitely an actor playing a role. There's a portion when we're talking about who we relate to, I was going to say there is a, a part where I do relate to Houston where he's like, oh, we can't get out, but there's somewhere I got to be, man. I got I got a audition tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I got to run, you know. Um, yeah, he definitely is an actor. And the, the thing about these films or the thing about these like ghost hunting shows, even when you're watching them, you can hardly suspend disbelief when they bring in an expert. You're like, is that person just an actor? Because this is on television and it's on fucking Fox or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't believe a word these people are saying. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even act it too, too well either, which is hilarious. It's super over the top. And I think it's supposed to be cheesy. Yeah. And and there's tons of aspects of this, sh- of this show, this fictional show, where I would be rolling my eyes hard, especially the constant tagline. And I know that's embarrassing. I have a fucking tagline for this show that I say all the time and it was my fucking idea and no one made me do it. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it would be fun because I, at the at my core, I want to entertain. And so I think having things like that for the show kind of help. And so that's why I kind of see a lot of myself in Lance sometimes because he is that ham. And I was like, I can make like fucking misty, mystical fingers out of fucking camera and say stuff like paranormal and shit. (laughs) You'd um, be perfect. You would be perfect. And way less hateable because he makes himself pretty fucking hateable. You would be a way better host. Like I just start spiking up my hair a little bit more. I'd be a way better Sasha. You would be a way better. Oh my God. This is what we're going to do? This is what we're going to do. We're going to fucking have our own paranormal show. And I just like fucking like wave my hands at the camera and shit and we'll do everything at night vision and we'll have someone just rattling cans in the corner and we'll just always be No, we're not going to be that show. We can't have someone rattling cans in the corner. We're not going to like tie like fishing line to things. We're not going to be that show. We're going to find real fucking Can they roll a child's ball across the hallway or something? No. Okay, no, nothing. no, we're not fucking so we're gonna be legit. anything. We're going to be, be legit. We're going to be legit. So it'll be a show about nothing? It'll be a show about no ghosts, but you know what? People will learn about the history, long forgotten history of many abandoned buildings, and that, to me, is worth the price of admission. See, all we need is a TC and a Matt, because they're the most believable characters as far as who you would tend to see. Mm-hmm. And it's not an amped up version of a ghost hunting show. Matt is their tech expert he's setting up all the cameras he's taking care of the backup he's taking care of the feed he's taking care of the monitors he's taking care of the laptop and the electricity and everything so matt is and he plays his role very very well it's very very believable he's not Mm -hmm. a ham and he's not a fucking caricature no so i like matt a lot tc is their cameraman one of their cameramen and like and like a lot of camera people out there just a fucking big old dude holding the camera doesn't give a shit what he's shooting. This is he is the he is the camera operator. He operates the camera, and that's it. And and even in ghost hunting shows, very 
rarely do the the main camera operators. I mean, everyone has a handy cam and or or, or shit like that gear attached to them. Um, so even their gear experts, like a character, a person like Matt would be seen on camera on occasion, yeah. not as much as someone like Lance, Sasha, or Houston, but TC would be a character that would not be present on camera. Yeah. Yeah. And even in this, when he does capture some things, they, they present the camera, talk about what was found on the camera, explain that it was captured by TC, their main cameraman. And he's not on screen for that. And that's very true to form for mm-hmm. these. And I like that a lot about Grave Encounters is that they must have just watched a fuck ton of fucking ghost hunt shows because it is very true to form. Yeah. Up to and including a bunch of uh, interviews before they go into the building. They interview people who have seen things. Uh, some interviews are completely fabricated because he, they talk to one of the groundskeepers and... Javier. Yeah, and, and he is, doesn't know what the hell they're even talking about. Lance slips him a fiver. 20 bucks. Uh, was it 20 bucks? Yeah, it was 20 bucks. Fuck. It was green. Fucking... We can we color code our money here in Canada, so when we're watching films, we can tell how much money oh, people fucking, are giving each other. A fucking 20 ski. A 20 ski, yeah. 20 he gives ski. him 20 bucks to 20 be like, bones. Yeah, I, I saw a ghost that was over there. It was very scary. <laughs> it was really, really fucking funny. And... It helps, you know, cement the fact that this fucking host is a ham, does not give a shit, doesn't believe in ghosts. There's no ghosts here. He's never mm-hmm. seen a ghost. Yeah. He will do whatever. He will fake it. He doesn't care. It's about the show. Yeah. It's all about the show. And do we have enough raw footage? Compile it together. Put some scary mu- uh, music. He even says that because when they go into, they meet uh, Kenny, the groundskeeper, who, uh, not groundskeeper, but the caretaker to the building, who takes them on a miniature tour shows them where there are certain hot spots a window that opens every night even though it's locked tight a, a bathtub in which they know that someone committed suicide uh, a, a, a woman slitting their wrists he gives them a little bit more background here and there throughout the episodes knows where gives them an indication about where matt should be setting cameras up yeah and then ultimately is going to be the one that is going to lock them inside. Is that like a thing that you snag on with this? Because I, I could see that being something that people would be like, oh, well, that's just stupid. Who would lock themselves in the building? I don't understand what it's supposed to say about it. I mean, Lance is positioning it as a bumper for the show that we can't even get out of here if we wanted to. No one comes in, no one comes out. It's just the crew. Yeah, it's just the crew. Th- this place was locked down. It was practically a prison. There is one entrance and one exit. And you and and so no one can come in that we're not aware of to fuck with us. Whatever. It probably has a little bit to do with that. I think I'm trying to think if any ghost hunter show admittedly I haven't seen too much of them, but I'm trying to think if I remember a ghost hunter show that did do that, that did lock themselves within the building. And I think it was supposed to prove or supposed to up the stakes that even if they're absolutely terrified and they want to run away out of the building, they are unable to. I think I do remember a show that did lock themselves in it. And I, but I don't think it was ghost hunting experts. I think there was a show where average people were put into these fucking situations. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I, I tend to remember something like that, too. And I'm going to mm-hmm. have to check it out. 
because I want to be locked in somewhere scary overnight for sure. For yeah, sure. I was fun. always talking about that ha- that haunted house on the lake at my cottage. I would fucking love to spend the night there. Yeah, and do like a ghost hunter type. But would you love to be locked in? I mean. I think it might creep me out a little bit more to know that I can't escape if I want because I suppose that idea that, well, I could just play the card of, bye, bye, everybody, I'm leaving. I think it's important, though, to be like, well, no one can come in here and fuck with you. No one's going to be sneaking up behind you and shouting boo just to make you wet your pants because we know you'd wet your pants. I would be, I would like to be locked in the Ottawa hostel jail. Yeah. Yeah. My brother, uh, had spent a night in the prison. Yeah. He he stayed overnight when they were still doing that. I get and cuz he went on the tour and uh, they took photos he stayed in one of the jail cells uh and uh had a great time and he'd take pictures nothing really. Well, you can stay in the jail cells on the floor below and they're set up with like bunks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um it's on death row mm-hmm. where people don't stay and they they might have offered at one time for people to stay overnight as a gimmick I, I think he i think it was death it row. was death row that's and, so cool yeah yeah and he stayed there with a friend of his and uh he said that he did hear things i mean i don't know my brother has been always very convinced about the the paranormal existing and it's noisy and weird as it is too just being an old a fucking old building but yeah being locked in, I think, freaks out these people not as much right away because they're all pretty comfortable with one another. They're trusting. They know that there's no such thing as ghosts, right? And this is the sixth time that they've done this. Yeah. So. And they know that the caretaker is going to come, but the caretaker is also a phone call away. Yeah. If they really wanted to get out, an accident. One of them hurt themselves. They need to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely escapable. But, I mean, for the sake of television, for the sake of the show they need to have these things in place now as we're starting to to go throughout the asylum and they're doing everything that these ghost hunter shows always do they're basically going to the various hot spots they are calling out to spirits to give them a sign to do anything sasha her is a job is the tape recorder she speaks into the tape recorder and she is playing it back to see if they hear anything. Now, Matt takes the time to uh, explain to a lot of what this equipment is. This is the only part of the movie where I bump into it, where I'm where I'm saying to myself, well, this is a scene that exists for us, the audience, because this is indeed a movie. Whereas a, a ghost hunter show would explain what all the equipment is. You know, well, no, it's sort of. Yes and no. And I agree with you to a certain extent, except that having seen these shows, how many times I've had electronic voice phenomena or EVP explained to me and how many different fucking pieces of gear you can get. And you can go on websites and buy the same gear they use on TAPS. The TAPS guys use like specific fucking um, spectral analysis things to tell how much of what is in the air. They use like humidity detectors, handheld humidity detectors, which are very expensive gadgets used in engineering, and they're repurposing them for for this. They're using these crazy thermometers, extremely sensitive thermometers, laser thermometers. There's many different ways to gather this information. So I've seen the shows where they get a new toy and they start telling people about it, or like an old toy. EVP is a very very old tactic used even from analog to digital now. That And you can record EVP if you feel the need on your cell phone, for fuck's sakes. So, like, 
they will stop and say, and for those that don't know, EVP, electronic voice phenomena, it's what happens. That's why we're talking to the ghost because we might not be able to hear it, but the machine can pick it up maybe. So in post, we'll like, we'll look. So I've heard them re-explain this shit, but they do have like the daily carry gear haul episode of this show Mm -hmm. right here for us, which is, yes, definitely planted for the horror movie audience. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't I I don't think it's inauthentic. I just think that it's the only thing that sticks out to me as oh well this is the movie obviously. Like the movie needs to do this in yeah. order for it to function. Because my favorite one of my favorite parts of normal ghost hunting shows is them setting up all the gear. So seeing Matt putting up all the cameras and stuff, I like that. And it also introduces that other level of found footage film that I like. And if I've ever complained about a found footage film, it's this that they don't use enough different cameras. Uh, styles digital versus analog they don't have enough character so you can't tell who's holding the camera just by the nature that it's being used and what framing choices that the holder has right whatever camera person I like to be able to tell so I really like the mix of different textures and visual effects and the framing from the static cameras the handheld cameras everyone's different camera the lights used on the camera changes how it looks so i really like the characters introduced by the cameras themselves mm-hmm. so i really like the gear setup scene a lot mm-hmm. no it, it is really good and again adds to the authenticity of this type of shoot because we are we're not watching a ghost hunter show we're not watching an episode of Grave Encounters, we are going to be watching over 70 hours, not literally, of, <laughs> Edited for time. Uh, of raw footage that was collected that would have been compiled for an episode. Obviously, many more hours than would have ever been needed to do a 30 to 60 minute episode of a fucking TV show. Oh, for show. sure. Because by the time they're quote unquote done, they've been there maybe six hours or whatever, right? Yeah. Because they go through the building and they're like, is there anyone there? And whoa, what was that? You know, mm-hmm. that sort of shit. Yeah. Uh, and then they're like, yep, nothing here. Cool. Well, we'll uh, have to use that one where the door shut on the cameraman. And mm-hmm. that's our ghostly encounter. Because at one point, TC does have a door slam behind him. Mm-hmm. And we see, unbeknownst to TC as he's on the phone with his kid, that the when he goes back to a hallway that they had already been down, a wheelchair is now within it. And we see that the wheelchair moves on its own. But then as TC walks into another room, the door slams behind him. And Lance seems pretty pleased with that. But then they go off and hear a more substantial noise. And so they, it's so jarring to them that they, Houston believes that there's another person in the building that's fucking with them because that's the, that's gotta be the source of the noise. So that even gives you that the guy that's there to be the psychic, the one time where something actually unknown to them is happening where they're trying to figure shit out, he immediately goes to the logical conclusion of, well, there's another person in the building. Yeah, which is in stark contrast to the first time that we, on camera, are introduced to him. And he's like, it's like a thousand voices talking at once. There's so much energy here. Yeah. 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 I love that stark contrast to make us really disbelieve these people entirely and dislike them. Mm -hmm. It's much better of a job than, you know, casting the jock or the cheerleader and things like that in horror films to make us as 
film geeks that we are alone in our basements, disliking these people for, you know, purely personal reasons, they're having us dislike them because they're charlatans, right? Mm -hmm. I really enjoy that when it starts to get a little bit creepy and we get to sit back and know it's even a little extra creepy because we saw the wheelchair move. Mm -hmm. I'm sure if you slow down, if you want to play the game where you're going to like start looking for Easter eggs in this film, I'll bet you you do see a face or a hand or something on the other side of that door mm -hmm. that TC has slammed shot on him. Yeah. Which would have been cool, right? They're, they're done, though, with filming this episode. Oh, yeah. But wait, not before the big, the piece de resistance happens when Sasha's on the recorder and she's trying to get the, the spirits to communicate. She's doing what her job for the show is. Little EVP, because they hear that weird noise. And, and and what happens, but it brushes her hair, raises her hair up, almost as if somebody would reach behind her, put fingers in her hair, and then just sort of pull it upwards. Not aggressive, just being like, hey, touching your hair now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's going way up into the sky. I'm going to let it fall all the way back down. Pretty spooky though, right? She is screaming. Holy fuck, does she? She loses her shit, and I get kind of chills because I not have had that happen, of course. But I've had somebody at a bar once. I was sitting at a bar, and this gentleman uh, acquaintance that I didn't really know at all at the time came up and grabbed a handful of my hair and smelt it. And oh said, my God. you smell so good. I still creeped out by that. I was creeped, I'm creeped out, by that, out by that. I'm glad you're creeped. Everyone in the world should be creeped. And now everyone can be creeped out about that with us. But that's what it reminds me of. I, so I know that feeling of having somebody lift up a bunch of your hair, right? And that's sort of the same motion. When you watch this and look at the way her hair is coming up, it's someone grabbing a handful of it and smelling it. Creeps me the fuck out. So weird. I know it's so fucking weird, but hey, yeah, people are fucking weird. So are ghosts. Uh, but yeah, she, that's when she decides she needs to go. She wants out. She is scared. Yeah, so of course. She's done. Lance is like, this is great. What yeah. we need to do is do more EVP. We need to follow this. We need to stay here. We need cameras. No, you can't leave. Exactly. I think that in that moment, Lance, maybe at one point in his life, he had to have been interested in this shit to begin with. He had to have been interested in it. But then after years, you know, when you're a kid and you believe that this type of stuff, you get older, you become more jaded and cynical. And then he's got a show and you never see fucking anything. This is the sixth episode, five episodes beforehand, nothing happens. So it rekindles a bit of that energy that he had to have had at some point in his life. And now combined with the idea, we're going to be rich because this is concrete proof. Concrete proof. As far as he's concerned, he knows that they didn't manipulate her hair. He knows that they didn't fucking slam that door. Maybe if this footage ever got out, it would go under scrutiny because there's a million ways about how you can explain how that was fucking done. Um, but in that moment, he is seeing dollar signs. He is seeing confirmation about what he probably wants to be true this was filmed in what 2011 so it's like the boom of these um ghost hunt shows exactly so 
you can sort of relate to his excitement because yeah. this would be the real deal. A lot of times when he's filming, he says he'll introduce things to the camera with, you guys got to see this, this mm -hmm. door here. You guys got to see this, this thing here. You guys got to see this, the bathtub. You guys got to see this. This is one of the few times that not on camera, he says, people are going to want to see this. And you agree with him. Mm -hmm. That's pretty fucking freaky. That's That would be the freakiest thing you'd have ever seen on a ghost hunt show. Well, so uh, he's stoked. Yeah. Everyone else is fucking not. No. They're done. You know, Houston uh, Houston kind of has the attitude of, like, party's over. You know, Sasha's scared. He seems to. And Matt's. He's like, I'm a little freaked out, too. Yeah. And, and Matt's not present. No, so he's at the console, apparently. He's, he's yeah. at the console. He's back where he should be. And when. And, and TC is, is freaked out, too. He's scared. He was scared by the door slam. Yeah. Uh, but it's really more of, like, well, I want out of here. Goodbye. I'm not a fucking paranormal expert. I'm not a ghost chaser. I'm the camera operator and I'm done. I'm fucking done. And on top of that, Sasha's fucking scared. Yeah. Sasha's fucking done. She wants out. Yeah. So Lance allows this. And I don't know why they have to keep asking his permission, but that's just me being me. I'd have just stomped away. Okay, see you later, fuckers. But I guess I guess it's still considered a work environment and he is the showrunner. And mm -hmm. so by default, you would defer to him as by default you would defer to the labor laws here in canada that say you cannot be forced to work under duress and if you feel that your workplace is unsafe you have every right to refuse work and you cannot have your pay deducted mm -hmm. but that's just me knowing labor laws i don't but, but i don't think lance is being particularly uh dictatorial about this type of thing he just want he he knows he needs sasha he needs houston he needs these people to do the show he's appealing to them not ordering them around and I think he, he comes off more as petulant when he doesn't get his way as opposed to, you know what I mean? Like, Scary, yeah. yeah you know, and you know what? You're going to argue with TC? No, because the guy will flatten you. Yeah, TC definitely is a, look, I'm not to stereotype. TC is a very manly man that looks like he's worked with his hands his whole life. It looks like he could atomize Adam's face with a swing. Yeah. Look, like, <laughs> like that is the type of dude that TC looks like to me. So TC and Sasha head back to the beginning and like everyone walks Sasha back. Lance and Houston sort of spend some more time in that hallway trying to contact the spirits as it were and also, or whatever, get more footage. And also finish the scene, right? Like you need to, because if it's like, oh my God, we saw the thing and we all just ran away. And eh, well, we need, a, we need to, to cap the scene off, right? Yeah. We need, so like have Houston get into character. It's funny because Houston is scared, but then he's like, you got to do your fucking thing man do, do like, your fucking thing what we fucking pay you to do yeah and he's like oh and he gets into character and shit like that and 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 at the very least they could put a button on the scene and then they can add footage later about you know lance can narrate or do whatever the fuck he needs to do in post yeah they hear sounds above them so they now do. they're calling down to matt asking if there's anyone up on the fourth floor or any floor above them and of course there's nobody else everyone is in the foyer scared and waiting to leave because they want the fuck out of there so now we it starts to like level up and i bet you could time these scares too from the time the door closes to the hair thing to these sounds it was a knocked over uh, a hospital bed we left that out but that happens in between oh yeah that area too now it's like th it's like listening to thunder get closer and closer oh yeah sort of what what you're, it, what you're you, getting it's here. like something scary happens and you're like one one thousand two one thousand three one thousand waiting until the lightning crashes and the thunder yeah. roars right over top of you at the same time so yeah. that you know the storm's finally here but yeah you're that's sort of what it's like at this point just mm -hmm. waiting for the next scare to roll in as it were um yeah so they're 
they're kind of freaked out because there's somebody out there, something making noises. They can hear something moving around upstairs. And it's not like that clear. It sort of sounds like footsteps and stuff, but it's like just a weird sound. It's sort mm -hmm. of indeterminate what it is, even for us, the viewer. Mm -hmm. So they want to go back to the foyer as well. And they sort of get turned around. They definitely get turned around. Now, Sasha and Matt are already in the foyer. Uh, TC Houston and uh, Lance are compl like completely lost. And they start to argue, too, with that Scooby-Doo yeah. sort of thing. This is the first time that I'm like, why don't you split up, guys? Why don't you split up? <laughs> but, uh, and the uh, listeners, you know, I'm sorry. We mentioned Scooby-Doo. I mention Scooby-Doo all the time. Uh, it happens. Now, the, and it's hard not to. You have a, you have like a, a gang of, uh, of lovable misfits stuck in a haunted house together and, and the background keeps repeating itself. How can I not think about Scooby-Doo? The only reason TC didn't really get to split up because there was no girl to take with him. Oh, that's we true, right? This. Yeah, we he, know this. He, TC goes with Velma or Daphne, do you think? Mm, Daphne, I think. Yeah, he looks like a Daphne kind of hangout kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> TC almost puts up a stand-up at one point and he's like, I'm just going to sit here. And they're like, what are you going to do, sit there and wait till morning? And he's like, yep. He doesn't, though. Yeah, he but does. it is a little tense because they do get turned around for a long time and they're radioing down to Matt and no, Matt's not responding on the walkie-talkie. It doesn't really make sense. The walkie-talkies don't really have a lot of range. And how did they get turned around? I mean, no, they're not, they don't know this place like the back of their hand, but they are definitely staying within a certain set area. And Kirkbride buildings are, you know, very clear in that, like, you get up to the top of the stairs and you turn right or left. And it's a big, long hallway, and there's a few branches off of that. It's not hard. It's not a maze. Mm -hmm. So even they're like a few halls in, and they're like, yeah, because if you turn here and go into that room, then you walk through to the room with the bathtub, right? And they walk into a room with other bathtubs. Freaks them out. Yeah. They're very, very turned around in a place that even you know, if you've ever been in any, any of these sorts of buildings before, mm -hmm. like 1910 architecture, 1880 architecture, you're going to walk down whatever hallway long enough. It'll lead you to the exit. They do eventually find their way back to everybody. And now they're just going to wait. Now they're waiting for Kenny to come back to unlock the front gates. Yeah, Matt's even said that he was trying to radio them. And like they had that conversation about why didn't each other hear each other. And it sort of seems like nothing. They have a little scene of like listening to music and sitting around probably snacking or whatever just waiting for the morning and i don't know because the caretaker is just a call away they could have called him at that point but the whole shtick is to stay there until 6 a.m mm -hmm. which seems to be important to lance and also if they need to do any pickup footage like like they don't want to leave just yet when matt goes to pick up the cameras because it's kind of matt's job and even though it's scary and everyone's kind of freaked out Lance is just like, no, you just go. Bye. Hey, Matt's only seen this on the review, too. So he's watched daily. And he's like, okay, cool. That's scary. Yeah, the hair thing. That's freaky. I'm going to dump this. And he's like, no, no, no time. Go collect all mm -hmm. the cameras. Um, and nothing paranormal has happened for over an hour. So at that point, they figure eh, everything's done. Yeah, Kenny's going to be here soon. You know what's funny is, is we know that they were uh, taking, uh, Lance has been taking photos that only pick up certain shit, right? Well, but yeah, like he's looking for the same thing you could do with any cameras, try and capture orbs. Mm -hmm. um, very, very popular for maybe the last five years, orb photography, right? 
Um, and you could do with any camera with a flash, basically. Mm-hmm. And you could probably pick up orbs in here. But while he's just taking pictures to splice into the footage later on, we're seeing that they're fucking surrounded by ghosts. There's even ghosts on the outside of the windows with their hands up against the windows. There's ghosts in the hallways. There's mm-hmm. orbs everywhere. Yeah. Like that's that is one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, because they definitely are surrounded. This place is jam packed with fucking spirits. Yeah. Restless and angry. Now, Poor Matt's all alone up there gathering cameras. He is, and all of a sudden they realize. Well, Matt's gone. Where has he been? Where is he? Let's go look for him. So they go and look for him, and they find all of his equipment just splayed out. Cameras, the stuff that he was packing up, his uh, his belts with his gaffer tape, everything is just all over the place. Matt was gone for a super fucking long time, too, mm-hmm. um, before they even started looking for him. And it kind of did bother me, because like that would if you were waking well, woken up suddenly over the night in a haunted place, you'd want to go and find everybody. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when they finally do, they pull the fucking split up trick. Let's mm-hmm. split up and look for him. What the fuck? Sasha definitely is not having it. This is where me and Sasha really do get along. Where yeah. she's like, that is the stupidest idea ever. Split up. TC goes by himself, heads to the fucking steps, and gets shoved. And we're not sure when that dude hits the fucking floor. He doesn't move for a bit. He right? tumbles, and he's the only camera, and this is things I love about found footage, he's the only camera in the scene. So when he takes a spill, the camera takes a spill too. Yeah. But it doesn't, like, shut off right away. It doesn't, like, hit the ground and... Have mm. like vibration protection, turn it off, or anything like that. Mm. Um, it takes quite the spell, and I swore that this is where we're going to see our first blood because it looked like he was down for the count, or he must have broken a bone, or his face would probably be shattered. Mm-hmm. So it's filmed pretty well. The camera, of course, the thing, another thing I love about found footage is when the camera bounces away and then bounces just perfectly to frame you. Yeah. Isn't that nice how cameras do that? It's not like pointed at a wall, although they do do that to good effect later on. It's true. But yeah, we get to see that TC's pretty fucked up. He gets, everyone comes running. He yells for help. Lance and everyone comes running and they pick him up and you think, wow, he must have broke his leg or something like that. Mm -hmm. But he's fine. It's fine. It looks like it was either a sprain or he just like... Winded himself. Or impacted his leg in such a way that it just... It hurts, probably hurts down to the bone, but he's probably, it's not broken because he is going to be using it for the rest of the film. It's probably not even a sprain because big tough guy, yeah, but a sprain can really fucking hurt and debilitate you, but he's uh, pretty much up on his feet. They end up all back in the foyer, now really determined to leave. Yeah, TC grabs a bed, a gurney, and is going to try to use it as a battering ram. And Lance initially doesn't want anything to do with that because, well, we'll be liable. Like, we have a permit to be here, but, like, we don't want to you pay for You don't damage the property. It's going to come out of your paycheck. <laughs> yeah. And, like, TC has the attitude that I would have a fucking attitude at that point. I'd be like, bill me. Yeah. Buy. Like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I was like, I will break every fucking thing in this room if it gets me out of I I agree very very much with TC at this point. I'd be a little more meticulous than using a gurney as a battering ram. But I was convinced that I was like they're gonna break that fucking bed before they're gonna break that door. Those are fire doors. Like they're not gonna fucking yeah. I, like those are fire doors closed with a chain, a heavy chain, big chain. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know what you're gonna accomplish with that, but they do manage to break the door, and well. 
Surprise, surprise, surprise. They must have gotten turned around, Lydia. Something must be wrong because there's no exit Things are double wrong. I would have peed in my panties right here because the sun hasn't come up. They've established that. Yeah, it's past 8 o'clock. Yeah. Kenny 8.45, sunrise was about supposed to be an hour earlier. Mm -hmm. Kenny hasn't come. And now they've bust through this fucking door and it's just more hospital. And they know they came in that door. Yeah, this is where they came in set everything down, set up their equipment. Uh, they know that this was base camp, basically. And yeah. they know... Kenny had chained, like, he'd taken the chains off, he put the chains back on. And that is outside. It's supposed to be outside. And they doubly know that it's the same doors because written, scrawled across both these doors on the other side, Sasha points out... In her cheery demeanor way. Death awaits. Yeah. And before, I loved how they mocked death awaits and lance was like no 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 we'll film it we'll do a swoop it'll be scary music it's gonna be creepy anything can be creepy just like get the right music and stuff like that now it's these doors are like the fucking scariest thing in the goddamn building because yeah this does not make sense and this is where you get to as the audience you start trying to figure out what is happening now we know that this place is haunted we know because we're watching a movie called grave encounters and it's a horror movie we know the fucking premise. There's ghosts. We've there. seen some ghosts. We've seen some things that the camera people haven't seen. We've exactly. seen through the camera lens. Exactly. Thanks to modern technology that would have spliced in those pictures for us in this found footage documentary. But altering the shape of the building seems and their perception of time altering the light coming in. I don't know. This, you've seen Cube? I have seen Cube. <laughs> um, it's we, another Canadian we, place where the landscape shifts it's true uh and so that's my question do we believe that the landscape are we do we believe that the shape of this building is changing or are is this presence able to fuck with your mind and make you think that you aren't outside when maybe you're not even like you're just sitting there yeah, are they all sleeping in the foyer right now? Is that what's happening? Or are they all mental and walking around seeing things or like, you know, walking the wrong direction and, and confused? Like walking in circles over and over again? Or have they actually, in real reality, woken up and busted through the door to the outside and ended up in this super dimensional continuation of the hospital? This is where I would suggest yes. Yeah. And the only reason why I'm suggesting that is we have seen in horror films, we've covered horror films on this very podcast, Mm -hmm. where spirits demonstrate the ability to gaslight you, to fuck with your mind, to make you think that you're perceiving things that you're not actually perceiving in a million different ways. Like in 1408. In 1408. The sequel to this actually persists with this premise. And it's very, very powerful if that is what we're led to believe that this spirit these spirits have the power to do is completely fuck with your environment and 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 the biggest piece of evidence to support that this is actually happening to me is it's all getting picked up on camera when shit's starting to get real everyone is now not so much afraid of the ghosts they're stressed out about the fact that they can't get out of this building mm-hmm. their food has been contaminated it looks like it has been sitting in that cooler for weeks now. In the sun. It's so rotten. There's like mealworms and everything and it's gross. Um, they see another door in this like 
trans-dimensional fucking asylum that has an exit sign over top. Woo, we're saved. Exit. exit. Emergency exit. Mm-hmm. This is an emergency. We'd like to exit. Yeah, Lance and TC bust that fucking shit down. It's just more hallways. Now we've entered the best Silent Hill video game ever. It is. It is very Silent Hill. Um, lots of repetition and the shit. room or something. And yeah. yeah, TC then says that when he was shooting that time-lapse video... Well, there was a fire escape. If they can get to the roof, they can climb down the fire escape. Well, they go up the stairs to the roof and, it, and the signage, helpful signs all indicate that they're on their way to the roof. They turn a corner and it is a dead end. It is just a solid wall. A, a staircase leading up to nothing. Yep, solid brick wall. And this is also a point where I'm thinking, where the fuck is Matt? Where is Matt? It seems to be not on their minds right now or in the back of their minds because they seem to be very concerned with the task at hand which is can we get the fuck out of this building maybe they believe that if we get out of this building we can find matt later or we can go and get help or whatever the fuck we have to figure out what the hell is going on we as the viewers know that they are now over 24 hours in this fucking building they can't get out they're checking their cell phones and stuff the sun should be setting again by this point and they've seen no hint of daylight and they have no food they have very little water. They're not getting very much sleep. It's not even a fact that you need to be afraid of a supernatural element. There is the absolute reality that if they do not get food soon, they will die. To keep their wits about them, they have another sleep. They, they decide do. to just huddle down and and ha- try and catch some sleep. Um I would, I was, one of the things that I noticed here, I was like, why don't they sleep in shifts? They're all terrified. They don't know where Matt is. They should at least sleep in shifts. But they all go to sleep together. And they wake up to the most fantastic surprise. Someone has come and said a little hello. Someone has carved the word hello across the entirety of Sasha's back. It's massive and it's still bleeding and it looks like it would have taken quite some time. So I'm trying to imagine how this would have just sprung to life all in one big giant scar. Mm-hmm. Unfucking real. And they're all freaked out. She's in pain. Yeah. Scared to fucking death. Yeah. This ghost seemed to be picking on her. So yeah. maybe she's ghost bait because she is the most genuinely scared out of all of mm-hmm. them. And maybe her like her strong exterior was all just a facade. Because she was mean mugging a lot in those photos. Oh, yeah. She's a hardcore goth girl. She was like yeah. so fucking cool. She didn't even know. Yeah. But not anymore. So maybe she was scared all this time. Just scared little girl. And the ghosts are definitely picking on her to the point of carving fucking hello on her back. It's brutal. It's absolutely fucking brutal. Now everyone's fucking... Houston doesn't understand how could someone come in and do that well, she st- she slept through getting her back carved off. We well, off, but carved into. None of us noticed a person doing this. I like how Houston again blames physical humans for this. Yeah. Like, how could somebody? He's supposed to be the medium, but uh, then they get a call in the walkie-talkie, and I think it's it's interesting, even though it's not necessarily a parallel. The very first thing that Matt says is hello. Mm-hmm. So they just had hello carved on her back and the fucking walkie-talkie crackles to life and says hello. It's the first contact they've had with Matt for quite some fucking time. Uh, almost uh, uh, 12 to 15 hours. Mm-hmm. I, I guarantee you they haven't spoken to me. He sounds tired, confused. Yeah. Um, almost. He's almost communicating in the same way that 
if he was coming out of a seizure or yeah. something, just very foggy, doesn't really, as uh, cold, where am I? You know, it, he's, he's not very clear on what he's trying to say or do at all. And they can't get a coherent response out of him, but the walkie-talkie goes dead. And yeah, before they can find out where he thinks he is in the building. Exactly. Things take a very fucking dramatic turn when, as they're hearing noises, they finally make their way into this room with a hospital gurney that slides across the floor and then raises up into the air and then fucking just goes flying. Now, this does... I love this scene for a lot of reasons. A, it's fucking really well done. B, it's really well shot. The benefit of found footage means that you don't have to linger on a scene like that. It's all done through, like, odd lighting and uh, the night vision stuff. So digital effects and, and, and shit like that can be hidden through that. And plus the fact that, like, everyone is so fucking terrified of this, right? Yeah, they run away. They run away. And it's loud, it's scary, it's very abrupt, like you don't, you're not expecting it whatsoever because this movie has been taking its time in a lot of ways, not for spooky stuff to start happening, but to ramp up. And it seems like these ghosts or these spirits, this presence is becoming more emboldened and more aggressive with every passing moment. With a haunted house film, it's never that important to me to see the spirits, the ghosts. I don't want to see the human shape as much. That's not what I want. I want to see the house freak out, though. I want to see the cupboard doors slamming. I want to see books flying. I want to see tables upping themselves. I want to see the gurney flipping over. Big scary metal clanging things. Anything. I love seeing the building freak out and physical, like furniture being moved around so this this scene does give me chills too because i've spent enough time doing like urban exploration and stuff like that or trespassing i suppose you call it <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of what you always kind of want you want something to fucking freak out like that so i really enjoy this scene and the way it's done and it has its effect it scares the fuck out of everyone and they go running mm -hmm. absolutely that moment where you're in a place you're not supposed to be and then in pitch darkness, you hear a noise, you kick something, something falls over, and you all instantly get spooked. And then you all just start to scatter in every just different direction. These guys manage to get into another room, and it's it's all about like arguing. You know, I, like the this movie is acted incredibly well. I feel. Yeah. I feel like everyone is is being scared in a very different way. You know, Lance is very much the guy that's like, we have a plan. We're trying to stick to the plan. We, we like, he's a planner. So he's like, all we have to do is do this and then we'll be fine. Or all we have to do is wait it out or, or whatever. Houston is trying to rationalize everything. He's trying to come up with explanations. There's a person in here. How could this happen? And he's trying to come up with reasons. Well, maybe this exit means that we're leading to the exit. And it's not saying that this is the exit. TC is just angry. He's, he's about to go through a wall. He's yeah. so fucking mad. And Sasha, poor, poor Sasha. She just so, wants to go home. She's That's all so she has scared. to say from this point in, which is where I can't relate with Sasha because she's yeah. not any help whatsoever. Mm -hmm. uh, but she is, you know, to be fair, being targeted by these ghosts quite heavily. Yeah. At this point, they are sort of sequestered in a room and it's dark. They turn on all their lights or hiding from whatever this thing is because now they're convinced that it's not another person. Houston has been separated from them unfortunately houston gets separated from them because of they have their first full manifestation of one of these spirits we see somebody standing in a corner 
I love fucking shots like this because it's very Blair Witch to me, like standing in a corner, not looking at anybody. And you know, you know, as the audience member, like, and you know, and like Houston almost is going towards her the most, not aggressively, but trying to reach out to her because he thinks this person. He's like, oh, oh, oh. Exactly. What are you doing here? A person. What is your name? A, a person here. It's. It could be a homeless person. Yeah. It could be. It could be some somebody. You that know ran what? away and is scared and lost. Yeah. So this is a person that a is in the building. Validates that I thought there was another person in here, and b. I bet you they know how to get out of here. <laughs> so he it's go- so optimistic. Sam. It's very optimistic, but at this point they're desperate. They're hungry. They're tired. And they just want to go, and this woman turns around and her face just twists in a very unnatural way i think that what grave encounters has done is when you're making ghosts for film in and around 1999 to the year 2000 how ghosts and spirits were presented in film became a little bit standard uh and you could blame that on a lot of different things uh the first time i ever really encountered it ever was the house on haunted hill remake where, yeah, it was definitely the House on Haunted Hill remake, the one with Chris Kattan and shit like that, where you would see like this ghost and unnaturally sort of twitching and walking and 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 then you say to yourself, whoa, that's really fucking crazy. And I remember asking my brother who was really big into horror or is really big into horror and ghosts and stuff like that. And I asked him, why do you think that is? Why do you think that became the thing that ghosts do yeah and he just said he's like well it's so unnatural less it's like you're seeing a human being walk in a way that human beings don't walk move in a way that human beings don't move therefore you were told uh, no matter what you think is not a human being yeah like and 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 you're so it's like it's a it's a uh and a way to know intrinsically that what you're looking at is wrong it's off it's a almost like uncanny valley type thing. So and so that just became what people decided worked. And this twisted face thing is is an extreme version of that. Not the jerky motions because these ghosts don't have jerky motions. They're very fast and very fierce. The uh, twisted face thing just reminds me so much of so many Asian horror and Asian ghosts. Yeah, it yeah, seems yeah. like a little bit of a cop out here where they could have done other things. And the girl looked scary enough as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That why, when they open their mouth, it looks like they're about to swallow your head. I think that I think that it was maybe, if you didn't do that, it might kind of fall into wreck territory where you're like, whoa, are these zombies or, mm-hmm. or, or, or something like that. I think they really wanted to make it known that they're ghosts, they're spirits, yeah. there's something supernatural about these things and not... It looks just like a rage zombie. I think that's probably the idea. And and since it's so unnatural, I think um, maybe they cut, uh, they they hold too long on this scene, if you ask me. By just split seconds. I, I yeah. think that if you were to cut, I think if you were to cut that down by a, a fraction of a second, not maybe even a whole second, and then add more movement to the camera to make me go back and see that frame by frame almost yeah yeah that would be a little bit more effective because us as horror fans we've seen it right yeah and and even though i'm not taking this away from grave encounters this doesn't ruin anything for me this is fine it's fine it works it you know it works and i'm definitely nitpicking yeah and and i just think that there was ways to tighten that scene up because if you're going to go the route of unnatural uncanny wrong 
make us question what we even saw. Yeah, because you've got us. We are there with them in that room. We are scared. There is a girl in the corner who we are pretty sure isn't human, but we're not sure. But we wish she was, but we're sure she's not. And she's about to turn around. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you could do anything right there and it'll be effective. Mm-hmm. And they did do the effective outcome. But yeah, it just held a little, just a smidge too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, yeah, it works very, very, very well. Mm-hmm. This is where um, the, the, the scene that I really dig about this is we know that this thing grabs the camera because it proceeds to go off to the side and then crawl up a wall. And we don't know. And we know that because the camera is now ascending the side of the fucking room in a way where you're just like, well... That's 15 feet off the fucking ground. Yeah. So how- and everyone else is fucking <laughs> screaming and running. Yeah. Houston, uh, that was Houston's camera that he was holding. Um, and that's where they get separated by Houston. And now Houston doesn't even, now we don't even know what happened to Houston. We don't know what happened to Matt. We don't know what happened to anybody. Like, we don't know what's fucking happening to these people. And that's how come when everyone's holed up in this tiny room, just locked up TC, Sasha, and Lance, they're holed up in this place with all the lights off, just scared shitless. Can't, don't move, don't fucking breathe. Even though I would say to anyone there, if I was present, I would be like, they know we're in this room. They and know like, we're in this room and you guys are all sniveling. Yeah, as like, we we may as well act, like, what are we, like, like before things start to manifest themselves in very physical ways, yeah. I would just be like, they know where we are. There's a hundred people probably sitting in this room just like looking at us. Yeah. They know where we are. Why turn off the light and make ourselves even more scared? But they do that for our benefit too. So we have a a scene, quite a long scene of just pure darkness and three people being very, very scared and making scared people noises. Mm -hmm. Sniveling and murmuring and swearing. Yeah. Houston, well, he's got a problem. He is now without a camera. He is without a light source. Yeah. Now we see from one of the cameras that Matt still has set up. Because there are a few uh, uh, cameras that were still set up. Yeah, Matt, he didn't finish his job. He yeah. got um, so there was like six sidetracked. Or, yeah, there was like six taken. or seven cameras that were still operating. Yeah. And so we see Houston just... He can't fucking see at all. It's like, pitch black. Cameras on the third floor. There's cameras in the foyer. And there's cameras in the tunnels still. I had been a little bit like... Houston is no good at walking around in the dark. <laughs> he's very scared. He's very, very scared. And you point out that, yes, he's very scared, but he's walking like a... a baby deer. Like a baby, not even a baby deer. Like like someone who's being concussed or something. Yeah, like, well, we don't know. Or what... blind man's bluff, or not blind man's bluff. When you spin someone around that's blindfolded and they have to go and like, pin the tail on the donkey or whatever the hell. Well, I mean, we don't know what that spirit did to him. Like, for all we know, it like he's got his head banged or something. Yeah, it came in through the cameras, it grabbed it and burned his eyes out doubly so or something. Who knows? He's very scared and he's totally uncoordinated in the dark. So he's like going very, very slowly and feeling along each hallway, which heightens attention for us because we know that something's definitely going to happen in this Boris app. In a scene that reminds me a little bit of Phantasm, where the tall man uses like what I think is like the force choke almost mm-hmm. on a priest and strings him up by his crucifix, which quite theatrically 
uh, visually turns upside down in the air and is what it, the priest being hoisted and choked by. In a scene really reminiscent of that, way down at the end of the hallway in this long shot from a CCTV camera, you see Houston get accosted. Lifted up into the air. You can tell that he can't breathe. He's, He's making choking noises yeah. saying, help me. Yeah, then he gets dropped, barely can stumble to his knees, and then boom. This motherfucker is thrown like a sack of fucking garbage. Probably like 30, 40 feet. Yeah. And then he hits the ground. Done. Yeah. Whatever this thing did to him, whether... It appeared to be like a sonic boom boom of some sort. It was crazy. Like, yeah. so like the, the, I would assume that the impact that sent him flying of whatever it was, it was what killed him. Yeah. Probably crushed every bone facing it yeah yeah so and 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 he hits the ground and he's that's it that's it for houston literally a sack of potatoes yeah yeah they are still sequestered in a room which you would think wouldn't be too too far away but they're hearing fucked up noises like this all over maybe not such a big boom as we had just heard that killed in houston but they've been hearing like rumblings and like weird sonic shifts and what sounds like people walking around sort of mm-hmm. um and they're getting steadily freaked out they have no idea houston's dead he probably died like just around the corner down the hall you know mm-hmm. what i mean like he could have died outside of their door mm-hmm. and it seems like the it's so spatially haunted that they have no idea that he's dead or they didn't hear that particular noise right one of the interesting things about houston's death is the first time that we really see death in this movie because it easily could have been a film where well matt's gone we don't know where matt is and then now houston's gone we don't know where houston is you know blair witch was like that too it's like you don't see anyone die you just see people fucking go missing yeah and and so you're left to just assume what happened to them we're not sure this very much shows you the death of houston and now when everyone decides to finally break out of this bedroom or this bedroom. It's like a closet or something. Yeah, it's, they've slept in there. It's like a bedroom. Now it's a bedroom. <laughs> when they wake up into this place, not only... I had thought, oh, did Sasha get scraped up again? Because she's like, how do they know my name? How do they know my name? Yeah, I thought she maybe found her name written on the wall or something like that. Because she's up and, and panicking and pacing, mm-hmm. right? And we she's do know that one of the patients was quite the avid uh, penman. So... Mm-hmm. Perhaps this is the person who just loves to write. But what they have now discovered is each one of them have a bracelet, a hospital bracelet on their wrists with their names. And it's it's like the place saying, your patient's here now and you can't leave because patients don't leave unless they're better. Matt will tell us this because they will find Matt. And at first they're like, is that Matt? He looks about the same, except he's not wearing a zip up hoodie and jeans anymore. Yeah. He's wearing a hospital gown. Which is funny because not that long ago when they encountered the female spirit, when she went running across the hall, somebody in the crew had said, is that Matt? And me from the couch said, no, that's not Matt. He doesn't run around in a white nightgown. Well, look at me. I'm wrong. He seems to run around in a white nightgown. It's true. They're I trying. correct. They're trying to get a clear sense of what happened to Matt, where he's been. Matt seems to be completely insane. Yeah. He's just sputtering nonsense that doctors might be saying about him. He's gibbering is yeah. what he's doing. He's gibbering in the most gibbery, gibberish way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he's trying to tell them that, well, we can all leave once we get better and he can help you too. 
you know, very, mm-hmm. very creepy. Like he spent time with doctors. Yeah, like he spent time with doctors and like doctors like standing around him maybe with clipboards and discussing his condition. Yeah. You get the sense that perhaps it's this uh, Dr. Friedkin. Perhaps it's this Dr. Friedkin that is this overall presence in this place that is keeping them trapped in here. It's not really sure. We know he was an evil doctor that did experiments like lobotomy. You're responding well to treatment, Wes. I'm not crazy. Now that they have Matt in tow, they kind of feel a little bit better because, oh shit, at least they found somebody. Yeah. Yeah, this place isn't fucking with them quite that badly. Now, if we can just find Houston and then get up to the roof, mm-hmm. and then we can just all get out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I tried. It's true. I tried, too. I was rooting for him. I really, really was. Because when they're trying to drag Matt around, and I mean, they're dragging Matt around. Like, he just he's so out of it. Like, he doesn't know what the fuck's going on. And they sort of sit down, you know, periodically Lance is taking the time to look to the camera and saying it's been X amount of hours. We don't know what the fuck's going on. Everyone's just sleeping. Sasha points out that she's not feeling well. Mm-hmm. There's, she feels like there's, she's gotten sick or something. And then when, they're st- when they've all mobile again and they're, and they're walking, sure enough, this big old fucking arm comes out of a small little window and tries to, and, and tries to pull at Sasha and again, like, it always seems to be her that's getting fucking attacked. And it may be because she is the scaredest. Maybe it's the, it's purely a cinematic thing. Maybe it's because she is the woman. Yeah, if you and, want to believe that women are more open to those sorts of influences or yeah. more in tune with them, either way you want to Or it to could be the it. filmmakers just be sympathetic because it's the, it's the female actor. and Maybe because she's the one that's usually in the back because the Lance is definitely leading the charge at this point mm-hmm. and TC is not too far behind him and she is she does it, with Matt closer to she, the wall and she, away. She always kind of seems like she has a few steps back from everybody else. And so that could be it. That she's just trailing in the gang mm-hmm. and e- easy e- to pick off. Yeah, even when they even when they encounter Matt, she is definitely the farthest away from Matt and not even really in the room. Yeah. And there's uh, and since the tension is so high in these scenes, you just think, oh, she's going to get snatched any second because she's so far away from everybody. Yeah. So that could be part of it or ghost bait. Like, yeah, because she is so scared. Like we now, said. when they're when they run, they end up back into the room, the infamous room with the bathtub where we know that somebody had kidded, uh, we know that somebody had killed themselves, slit their wrists and had died now lance notices that this bathtub is filled to the brim to the meniscus of with blood not quite to the meniscus and how do you know it's blood didn't you didn't go put your hands in it that's what you do in horror movies that's the only way you know it's blood it could be chocolate syrup it could be black water could be anything it could be and Matt's going to go investigate because he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> he really is. He really, really is. But they want to get him away from that. TC goes to pull him away. And just these, this, we can see that some body has sit up from the tub and has pulled TC in. Now they're struggling and TC is flailing in the tub. And the camera moves away. It's a great technique. And you hear shouting, like TC struggling. You hear Sasha freaking out. Uh, Matt's not really making any noise. Lance or somebody says, flip the tub, flip the tub. And yeah. so they do. And we see this rush, this torrent of 
blood, red water, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) I'm just being an asshole. And we turn back. No one's in it. TC is gone. There is no body. There's no TC. There's nothing. It is just full of the remnants of blood. And that's just about it. Matt starts to laugh maniacally. Because he thinks this is great. You know what? He's probably a victim of a partial lobotomy at this point for all we fucking know. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't really affect him. Not at all. I'm surprised he even went to investigate the tub, really. Um, I think I keep ending almost these scenes with now they're really done and now they really want out. But that's a given by this point. They probably want it out for a while, but there's also this point where they're just all so fucking exhausted. Mm-hmm. Now, eventually, Matt, or sorry, Matt, uh, eventually Lance finds an elevator. It's the first elevator they've seen. And so he thinks, well, we can get this elevator shaft goes somewhere. Definitely. And so if we get down to the basement, we can get to the other building and maybe get the fuck out of here. I don't know why he thinks that's the fucking solution, but I guess it's better than just wandering in circles. Well, I've tried so much. You know, they tried going through the door. They tried walking as long as they could through that hallway. They tried getting to the roof to no avail. They seem to be trapped on the third or fourth floor. These places are usually no more higher than six floors. Like, maybe it goes to the tunnels. Like, they know how to get to the tunnels anyway. So maybe this will bypass something and go to a service a laundry area who knows i sort of see the idea and what are you going to do sit still and just starve to death you need something to occupy your mind and body at least Mm -hmm. to try to get out of here yeah it really is um their last ditch effort at, at least for what it seems like at the time now they can't seem to get the door open i'm not surprised this this uh elevator probably hasn't worked in 60 years so Matt goes to get like an implement and he immediately finds something a little disturbing on the floor and that that uh, one of the hospital beds. I don't know if it's the same hospital bed that they, that got flipped over in the initial scenes, but it might be. It looks the same, but everything kind of looks they the, same, the same. Yeah. He, grow, he goes to uh, get like a piece of pipe like ripped off of the gurney and he sees a little puddle of tongue on the floor. Which isn't my very, very favorite. I thought I you, you might think for a second is that. Is that Houston's time? Is that Houston's time? Or is this why Matt's being so quiet? Yeah. And we don't know. And then so we look up. And there's blood dripping. Blood dripping. Like very aliens. Like drip, drip, drip. So you know to look up. And holy fuck. There is possibly the most aggressive spirit that we've seen up until this point. This thing looks dangerous mm-hmm. it's a it's a guy he's bald he's got like no eyes no tongue he's like, got a very like vampire kind of like Thursdays and night kind of ghoul like revenant look. Or, yeah. yeah like something like that very 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 scary and black this, eyes and, and and i think that like what we can learn is that um and we'll maybe get an idea of this later about like the occult element to what's been going on in this asylum now like Lance is like fucking books it. He's got his fucking pipe and he doesn't even really want to talk about it. Like Sasha's like, what, what, what's the matter? What's the matter? And he's like, and he fucking gets the fucking uh, door open. But that thing is fucking coming Mm -hmm. like, like a bat out of hell. And so him and Sasha have to go barricade the door to keep this thing from fucking getting in. Who knows what it's going to do. And it's slamming on the other side. It's terrifying. They've handed the camera to Matt fucking useless, which is 
kind of sad in one way because he's looking at the camera like it's a fucking alien creature. Mm -hmm. And this is a guy that used to do all of their gear. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't seem to know how to operate a camera or even where to point it. While Mm -hmm. they're freaking out and the door is about to like pop open because of this beast on the other side that is feral enough to chew its own tongue out. So we have an idea of what it's going to do to them. And he's pointing the camera at himself. And laughing. Yeah. Because he thinks this is hilarious. He seems vaguely aware that it can record him, but he doesn't really seem to have too much comprehension beyond yeah. that. And he's not paying attention to what's happening in the end of the hall, but then he's distracted yet again by, oh, an elevator shaft. And then he just tips over the side. Bye, Z's. With the camera. With the camera. It's yeah. a good shot. Everything tumbles down. Boom. Hits it. And this is the first time that we've seen um, a character die that kills himself. Yeah. It's pretty sad. Um, when they get back... They, it's not one of those instances where like, oh, Matt disappeared. They look down the elevator shaft and sure enough, he's there. That is where they need to go. Yeah. Not only do they look down the shaft and show us that they know that they see what he's just done. That's very sad and all. They decide to go and inspect the body or at Mm -hmm. least finish their, their goal of getting down the Mm -hmm. body elevator shaft. Mm -hmm. Um, It is the first like really gory scene that we get because they do, they don't shy away. Mm. from matt's body they don't shy away from matt's body it's um you know uh this film has demonstrated that not only is this place infested by spirits but also there are some dark forces at work here and us as a v us as a viewers are seeing gore on various levels and supernatural events on various levels because there's arms protruding from walls at certain time black arms yeah. That are oversized. They're weird looking. It's because it, they, they, they're arms for sure, but they're not human sized arms. They're giant human arms. And they're all black and they're all reaching and it's causing them to get herded into different areas of the asylum. We're seeing like bathtubs full of blood. But this is like, and, and we've seen Houston get fucking sonic boomed yeah. to death. And, but this is the first time that we really see some guy just tipping over the side of a fucking elevator shaft and dropping 80 feet to his death. And there doesn't seem to be any entity there necessarily telling him to do it. It just seems like a good idea at the time, I suppose. Yeah, it might be whatever has already been done to his mind. We don't know. Yeah, so it is probably the most shocking of all violence in this film. Yeah. When they get down to the body, because they go down there, because they that is still... In their minds, this is the plan. We have to. We were going down the elevator shaft. Yeah, we're going down the elevator shaft. Sasha is really upset. She seemed uh, before the the before the scary stuff happened. She seemed to genuinely like Matt. Like they seemed to be like friends, like more friends than anything like that. And so, uh, even though her, like many people, kind of like dipped on Matt, like not really concerned where he is when they got stuck. But at the same time. Uh, she was definitely hanging back with Matt when they refound him, right? Like she was the one that was making sure Matt was coming, grab Matt's hand, make sure Matt's coming. Yeah, she doesn't even really want to leave his body at this point. No, she's so, and she's so scared and so upset and she's shutting down. She's been shutting down periodically through the movie. We know that she's not feeling good. Yeah. And we'll definitely know she's not feeling good very shortly. Yeah. But, um, but she, she, you know, it's just, she's so scared and so tired of running and so, Freaked out, and the and the and the ghosts are picking on her. She's the one that gets keeps getting grabbed. She's the one that keeps like she got carved on. Nobody else got carved on. No, exactly. You know, touched, grabbed, carved on. It's disturbing, and I, you know, you don't want to say like, oh, as a female, I can relate. Like it doesn't relate to men at all. It relates to anybody who is getting fucking molested by ghosts or not. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You're going to reach a point where you're either going to, you know 
lash out. But in this case, she has nothing to lash out against. So she's going to, she feels that she's going to be continuously tormented. And with the Mobius strip that this fucking building has become, it must really feel like that. So you have to, you really do feel for her where she's like, you know what? I just want to stay with his body because it's the only concrete thing that makes any sense anymore. Mm -hmm. My friend died. Lance reminds her, you know, these tunnels and you start to, he boils down to a pretty believable dude too. He, the, the sham is up. He just wants out as bad as anybody else. It's not about the show anymore. He's like, these tunnels lead to outbuildings. We must be able to reach somewhere else through these tunnels if we just keep walking. And he's convincing enough that she goes with him. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe he's on to something, right? Because he will get through these tunnels far enough from the influence of whatever it is that is these entities, this ghost, the building, whatever it is that's haunted, quote unquote, right? So he just wants to walk as far as they can walk. Just keep walking. Sasha is very, very sick. She starts writhing on the floor and coughing up copious amounts of blood. When a really nice camera scene, because of course when anything's really going wrong, whoever has the camera puts the camera down, Mm -hmm. right? And like you would in real life. He puts the camera down in, we get this really wonderful, colorful splat of blood across the lens. So there's blood on the lens, and that's like one of my favorite things. Luckily, there's still a camera in this tunnel that mm-hmm. Matt had left set up, so we do have the two camera angles. Mm-hmm. So we haven't run out of different angles yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still do have an angle of this. And she's so sick, they, like, they just kind of stay there for a little while. They do. Um, they do start to walk. They try to walk. Um Sasha, it's like it's been hours, and Sasha is just like losing steam. She just can't keep going, and and Lance is aware of the fact that like she's not gonna make it. Like she's she can she can barely walk, and they've been walking for hours, hours. To the like he's like my feet hurt, my legs are killing me, but we're not making any like we don't know where we're going. It's this endless. It's like fucking Sisyphean task of yeah. just walking down this hallway. There's not been a whole lot of paranormal stuff going on except for the fact that it's an endless hallway. And noises. They noises, noises. But the noises seem to be it. hurting. That's all they seem to be doing at this yeah. point. And it's possible that a lot of the the the, the, the spirits reach can't reach them this, this level. And it might be the dwelling of one spirit in particular. Could be. And all the other little minion spirits don't dare come down this far. At least they're not getting attacked anymore mm-hmm. at this point. And I think that you might have hit the nail on the head because, well, what ends up happening, quite weird, very, you know what, very theatrical, it, um, almost gothic, this heavy fog rolls in while Sasha and Lance are just exhausted and, and, and curled up together. And when the fog clears, Sasha's just gone. I love this because there's no fight, there's no screaming, there's no attack. We've seen some of those. We've, you know, they, they blew their wad in, in a way that way. Um, we've even had like some really great audible attacks when Matt has the camera and we're not seeing what's happening at the door when they're fending off that, the, the male patient spirit, uh, we just hear a hell of a lot of it. So we've had all different ways to have the, this terror manifested. This is the most insidious one because Lance is just sleeping. He's crouched in the hall sleeping with her resting on his shoulder, the fog rolls in and out quite quickly. It's not like there's no cutscene. Mm. It rolls in, it obfuscates the camera, it 
gets sucked back out and she's just gone mm-hmm. freaks him out too because you're thinking you know he must think because we got to, we were we got to see what happened to her we don't know <laughs> something she got spirited away with the mist mm-hmm. he must have thought that she walked off somewhere or was taken by a spirit and he hadn't heard it right mm-hmm. but he didn't get to see how fucking instant that was so and quiet moments before he woke up Mm-hmm. moments that's so creepy mm-hmm. yeah I like that scene a lot it's really good and now we're just it's lance lance by himself holding a camera going ape shit eating rats walking forever yeah yeah i like it, the rat eating scene because it shows how he's devolved and like like because he's probably starving at this point yeah. he just beats a rat with a fucking pipe and just fucking eats it raw it's crazy yeah and it doesn't look like he's enjoying himself at all whatsoever you know he's not that crazy yet no but, but he's, he's like, yeah. just wants to survive and it's very harrowing yeah now at uh, this one point he has the camera and it's it's almost like the old lance is back he's like okay you guys gotta see this <laughs> yeah he's like that rat really helped i'm feeling better Got some electrolytes from the rat. No, that's Survivor, man. Oh. <laughs> yeah, wrong reality show. Oh, okay, sorry, sorry. So he finds a big old iron door, big old creepy iron door, and this door gives way to what seems to be um, Dr. Freakin's lair, we can call it. It pretty much is. It, it's it's the most hospital-like. It seems to be a place where surgeries would be going. There's individual holding cells. Some of the fucking holding cells have, like, meat hooks on them. He's seeing old photographs from patients uh, that look like they've been just mangled. Yeah, like open wounds of lobotomies. You can see brain tissue, some really bad fucking wine sessions yeah. uh, laced up. Like, it's really, really quite graphic, the the photos for him too because he's traumatized at this point so anything like this he's just like what the fuck is this shit you know very very scared very freaked out especially because they haven't really seen much of that the place has been pretty emptied out like a lot of abandoned places do get emptied out by vandals or uh, insurance companies or whoever takes care of the property or if they're trying to remodel it or sell it at any point which this building had undergone so most of the medical shit is gone there's very few pieces of medical equipment except some gurneys and wheelchairs there's not like a lot of stuff left so this is the first time they've encountered a room that has like books and photos and things and it looks lived in and used almost under a layer of dust for the most part but still like in Mm -hmm. use which is fucking freaky because he's walked for like a day right so he's very very turned around and very very terrified by what he's starting to find looking like this place is still in use Mm mm-hmm with nefarious use at that. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where about he finds like this weird area of the room that seems to have uh, some occult, an occult set of skull, um, not quite a pentagram, but something that... Which sort of like, I there's a book he finds too, written in what? It's not written like, what is it? Runes? Sumerian? It, it looks like runes. I don't know. I, I thought it looks he found, more like runes I thought he found the anything. fucking Necronomicon, honestly. Like, but that's not written in runes. No. It's written in English. <laughs> but yeah, who knows what he found? And that's like good and bad because it's like, okay, you wouldn't want to pinpoint or pick on any particular religion, did you? You didn't want to use a pentagram because you don't want to like fucking blame Satanists. You know, let's not do that. We don't be assholes like that. So we'll make up this sigil, which sort of like 
almost has a swastika-like bend to it, mm. but sort of swirls like um, Al Jazeera TV logo. Mm -hmm. Sort of like take four Al Jazeera TV logos and put them together, something like that. Sort of swastika-like. Um, a circle of salt, some candles and skulls, and away you go. Bingo, bango, you got your occult religion. Mm -hmm. This seems to be an implication that, you know, you can get the sense that Okay, so this place is haunted, definitely is haunted, but there's several layers of spirits here. There are, seems to be standard ghosts. There seems to be low-level spirits that are able to move things, to watch you, to interact, and it could be in the upper levels of the asylum. As you go deeper, you are, looks, it seems like you're dealing with demons, it seems like you are dealing with either demons that have that at some point possess people and are able to manifest themselves as solid beings because there's no indication to say that these that like the girl and the and the male patient there's nothing that indicates that they're not actually there they are able to physically interact with everything yeah. like the male patient fucking almost breaks down a door yeah so for all we know these are possessed people if he was a ghost he would have just floated right on through it exactly and it seems like the ability to change the shape of this environment to rot food. Yeah. F like this seems to be higher than just a typical haunting. And to have the idea that this place is open to perhaps the powers of hell, that itself changes a lot of things. You'd definitely be taken on a journey, you know, not only through this building, but up and down in this building because they start in the foyer. Everything's kind of brightly lit, even though they're looking through like night vision cameras and stuff for the most part, once they lose light, uh, things appear white. There's a lot of brightness to those scenes. Even when they go up to look for the stairway, they try to like, let's say ascend. Mm -hmm. um, it's heavenly mm -hmm. if they could have found escape up there to be all fucking coy. Uh, the walls are all painted white and the paint isn't peeling. And then they go back down to the third and fourth levels where the paint's peeling and things look like a dim gray. And then they get even lower into the new foyer, which is way darker than mm -hmm. the foyer when they think they've escaped out the front door. It's fucking dark slate gray. Everything's much, much darker. Then they go even further down into the tunnels where everything is basically black. Yeah. Now, black, dirty yeah industrial and they're in this like lived in well he i guess it's just lance now in this semi lived in looking place which is unlit basically mm -hmm. which seems even darker even though there's like a more varied color palette at this point it feels dark and oppressive the other film they do this dark oppression sweaty scared claustrophobic feeling is baskin when you finally get into the real underworld of that You've got that same sort of feeling. Even though there is a lot of color, it feels very dark. Same with this scene, too. Mm, this definitely seems to be that, at least in life, Friedkin, before he was murdered by uh, the six patients that escaped, um, this would have been where he was conducting his secret dark experiments. And satanic his... lobotomies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a good name for a band. Satanic lobotomy? Yeah. Into it. Uh, trademark, trademark, trademark. Don't. I want to be in satanic lobotomy. Oh, okay. So he looks over and he sees people performing surgery or something. And they don't seem to notice him until, uh-oh, clumsy old Lance. Oops, knocked over a skull. Knocked over his fucking skull bowl. And then they see him. And then he looks down, looks up, and 
uh, like what what might be Doctor Friedkin or one of the evil surgeons. Face twists, grabs him. You hear him screaming off the corner. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. They're doing something to him, and then the next time you see, hey, there's Lance. He's don't look so hot though. His eyes are all goofy, and <laughs> his eyes are all goofy. And that's my favorite effect out of all the effects in this film, where he's got like one eye train on the camera, and the other eye is just sort of like hazy and gray and like floating off and yeah, the ether. But he got they, like these things did like some sort of shitty lobotomy on him. Yeah. And and he says like I'm better now. Now I can leave. We're out. Credits. Well, he signs off with. Uh, oh, he signs off with for grave encounters. For grave encounters, which is a nice touch. Yeah, I like that he signs off, even though he's in the state and he's only functioning on half a hemisphere. That's gonna be me when I die. Um, like all my synapses are firing and shit like that, and I'd be like, I'm Wes Knight. You've been listening to Dead Air. And then, like, I'm going to die. I'm going to hear our, our outro in our head. I, I kind of more picture you standing in a corner and saying, so I'm just saying, and I'm Wes Knight over and over again, waiting for me to say, and I'm typical Lydia, because you can't finish the show without it. So you just keep saying, and I'm Wes Knight. Yeah, this is actually where I am right now. We're not actually recording a podcast. I don't know you. It's just like, <laughs> it's just doctors looking at me behind glass being, he just says, I'm Wes Knight over and over again. That would be hilarious. I don't wish that on you. <laughs> no, I, I really wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't think you would. Um, this film talks about, like, one of the things that I think that is really cool about the haunting of the asylum, that any of these fucking stories that we hear, the inclusion of Doctor Friedkin being a mad doctor, and and the the deplorable conditions that we know were occurring in these asylums. They even talk about a little bit in the the film with like when this was built in the 1890s or whatever, like people didn't really have a lot of ideas about what mental illness really was and mm-hmm. how to really treat anybody. And if you and, look at like the uh, American horror story, um, asylum, asylum yeah. um, thing where they, they do get into that a little bit. That's all based on fact. And there's yeah. like the footage that they recreate there actually does exist. Yeah. Even, even when they're first going through the asylum, when with Kenny's giving them a tour, one of the characters remarks, like these tiny rooms, like they, they bring people in here to help them and then they just shove them in these tiny rooms, right? And and when you look at old footage from like archival footage from these asylums, like real footage, not in this film, but like real footage in real life. And you can really see that it's just a real disgraceful blight on humanity when you see how we used to treat people with mental illness and what these asylums were like. And I think that what's really creepy and what makes this horror uh, film so effective is because of the fact that it comes from such a uh, genuine place of guilt for so many people. Yeah. When people talk about historical guilt, uh, these are one of the really good examples about how we used to treat people and now how there's so many of these abandoned asylums that serve as these fucking monuments to how shitty we've been to people right that's part of why they tore down the asylum in north bay because they did have the uh psychiatric hospital up there the ontario hospital and not only because it was an older building but it could have been repurposed there was many people that went through it for its final tours because they did give tours to like satisfy any curiosities i would have loved taken one you could go into the morgue and stuff was really cool because that's the only place i'd want to go but like I'd also want to see the roof where a couple of patients did jump off. Um, but 
they flattened that fucking building. And there was many people that took the tours that said, oh, no, there's nothing really wrong with it. Like, there's a lot of old parts and there's lots of, like, really narrow areas. But it was, like, all the rooms are too small to really fucking do anything with. Mm-hmm. Creepy. I've visited people up there uh, from time to time as a, as a kid and as I was older. And you could feel that guilt in the very fucking walls. Yeah. People look around and part of it is just interesting because people are interested about the history, but other people are just sort of sitting there sucking their teeth and just can't believe how these people were treated. And even having a character like Dr. Freakin, the person put in charge of this place, the authority figure, abusing it in a very demonstrable way. Very Belasco of Hell House. Yeah, exactly. Right? Uh, No, that's a good point. And... And, and and again, it, it's because our as our society looked at these asylums back in the day, it was that oh well, these are institutions that are built by the people in charge, and I'm sure I'm sure that everyone in that building is getting the help they need, and 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 we go on with our day. We never thought about it. We didn't think about the fact that like the people in there with good intentions or not had no were not fucking equipped to help anybody, and these buildings were not. equipped to help fucking anybody and the idea that like Friedkin was just obsessed with lobotomies and and weird surgeries and occultism I mean the occultism and the and the shit like that like I'm sure like that you trump that up for film uh but but I mean you know lobotomy was yeah yeah that'll fix it yeah it's fucking witchcraft right there you might as well stick some leeches on them while you're at it yeah you know check on his humors oh yeah like let's just butcher people and fix them and I think that um, and I don't know if um, if if a lot of people would, would take away that from this film, but I certainly do. And I think that because sometimes you, when you're looking at these ghosts and these spirits and they're so hateful and so aggressive and why are they doing these things? Why is it important to them to drive the people who have come in here mad? And why this crew? Because we know that other people are able to come in and out of this building. We know that people come in here to make out. There's graffiti on the lobby walls. We know that uh, Kenny is able to come to and fro from this building uh, at all. I think it's only because no one's being dumb enough to lock themselves in there overnight. Yeah. That's really it. That's the only problem. Do you think that their stance of... Do you think that the the spirits might have even been more incensed because there's almost a mocking tone to their presence? Like where where they're trying to move stuff, do stuff, um, and hearing the fact that you know they don't really believe in what they're doing, and and kind of cracking jokes and not taking it seriously, and then they've locked themselves in, and so they're almost being punished for that hubris. Yeah, because the very first scare that would scare anyone else away that's in there just to hang out, make out, do work. The first scare, the people would run away. Mm-hmm. So that was like their warning shot. They didn't heed any of these really loud warning shots. Mm-hmm. Couldn't either. They were locked in. It was their own bad luck, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Then it gets to a point of like, well, I'm just going to come at you like this and scare you closer mm-hmm. and closer to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that definitely does seem what it is. It's like there's multiple layers of haunting to this place. And mm-hmm. I think that most of the spirits that are probably mischievous but ultimately benign um, are probably what other people are encountering and the truly foul, evil things that lurk in this building, the deeper in it you go, are what was the end for all of these people. Yeah, because you get to kind of like the upper levels and you've got a ghost that opens a window. Ooh. Yeah. You know, and that's actually a viable means of escape. Sure, it's a 60-foot drop, as they point out, but there's lots of things in the building to fashion some sort of rope. You probably will 
meet some sort of like broken neck demise but i mean at least it's a try like it's a you could try to escape that way and the ghost isn't doing anything more terrifying than opening a window mm. and we know that they're surrounded by them yeah they're all there like yeah. these spirits hundreds are, of them yeah these spirits are present and they're not really doing anything whether they don't have the power to which probably seems or desire or desire yeah but then when you get to the basement and then all bets are off and you're going to be lobotomized. I guess that's where Matt had ended up mm-hmm. when he went down to remove a tunnel camera, maybe. Yeah, One of the possible. few that he planted down there. Who knows? Um, scary. Yeah, it's a good follow-up. I'm going to watch session nine after yeah. another yeah. haunted asylum, crazy person, blurry lines, Canadian horror film that is filmed in an actual abandoned asylum. So, Lydia, what do we got next for him? Next up, we have House of a Thousand Corpses because we're getting so close to Halloween. We are getting close to Halloween. And we're talking about like going into underground levels to get to the Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan! That's how you have to say it. I, I sort of say it like that, but I'm a little more delicate than that. Well, I haven't seen this movie in, well, since it was new. So it'll be interesting to go back to it. I've watched it several times and I enjoy it very much. And with uh, Rob Zombie's 31 just coming out and everyone sort of uh, getting a chance to see that and like opinion rolling in, I think it'd be nice to go back to the movie that started all the Rob Zombie hatred. (laughs) And on that note, I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.